Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey everybody, welcome to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris coming to you from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in the southeast part of Portland, not the downtown part, which is all aglow right now. Um, This portion of (laughs) Barbecue Nation is brought to you by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. It's that time of year. We've got a holiday coming up, Labor Day. And our good pal Meathead from AmazingRibs.com is here to talk about your Labor Day end of summer barbecue. And I said this on a TV show the other day, Meathead. I said, normally the end of summer barbecue meant like in the next couple of days, kids were going back to school. And I said, but right now they're just going back to the living room or to their bedroom <laughs> to do <laughs> online classes. So they, they're they not really, you know, school bus is coming tomorrow at, four, at 8 a.m. or something like that. Anyway, welcome to the show, my friend. And it's good to have you back. Time to start teaching these kids how to cook dinner. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I'm sure that some creative uh, uh, staff person along the way could give them some extra credits or something, uh, you know, kitchen skills that they could learn. They but, don't teach home ec anymore, do they? I don't think so. I don't think so. It um, used to be required for all the girls when I went to school. Yep. And, and, of course, the smart thing to do is if you were a guy was get into the home ec class. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'll i tell you a story about that before we start. I A friend of mine's mother taught the home ec class in high school where I went to school. And I, <laughs> I taught them how to make wine jello. Now, the home ec class wasn't impressed, but the <laughs> teacher's lounge loved me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> you invented jello shots. I did. That was, I tell you, that was back in 1973. So uh, <laughs> they were they were like they'd I'd see them walking down the hall and it'd be you know I would have brought some in and some time had elapsed and all that and then they'd come back and they'd say hey Tracy when are you gonna bring in some more of that Jello <laughs> so I knew I knew what my assignment was anyway um, well I tell you I hate to see summer winding down because it's been the lost summer you know it has. Um, I mean, in my life, some of the great joys are going to restaurants, going to theater, travel. Yep. And, um, you know, at, at my advanced age, I've cut all that out. I'm sticking close to home, and uh, it's a lost summer. And uh, hope the heck that uh, we, get a, we get a good summer next year, and we've got a vaccine and herd immunity. And right therapeutics and we can get back to normal life because you know gardening uh, well i mean a lot of restaurants do have sidewalk dining but it's just not the same sitting there in a mask and your waitress is wearing a plastic shield 
<laughs> uh, my heart bleeds for all my friends in the restaurant business. Yeah, it, it's it's very tough. And when you come out and look like you just got out of a <clears throat> welding 101 from the community <laughs> college, you know, it's it's very nothing against welders. We need them. But you know what I mean? You don't want somebody laying down your your lunch or something that's got. And, you know, they could reach around and grab an acetylene torch and, you know, polish off your sous vide steak or something. I don't know about anything (laughs) else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we've noticed, you know, I run uh, AmazingRibs.com, a big barbecue website, and I've talked to a lot of other folks who run culinary websites. Business has been pretty good for us this summer. Yeah. Um, A lot of people are cooking and learning how to cook. And, um, you know, if, if there's any benefit to this, maybe there'll be more skilled home cooks when this is over. I would think so. Except, you know, I got to tell you, not folks. I promise we'll get to the real meat head uh, meat of the subject very shortly. But if you watch television, which we all are watching a bit more television, I think. But one of the the oh, I, I think I've finished Netflix. <laughs> he finished. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, you see these commercials for these home delivery services and you see like there's one where a young lady gets a box and she's she's searing a steak and she's got some vegetables in a pan and she says, yes, it's very good and all that. Um, I can see the purpose of those, but I also not, I'm not sure if those really help people learn how to cook. I'm re- I, don't know. I don't you know, I don't know. I, I've thought about that and I thought, well, no. It must because learning to cook is really hands-on. I don't know that you can really learn to cook by watching YouTube and right. um, uh, video classes. You've got to hold that frying pan in your hand and feel the heat and hear the hiss and smell the garlic. Um, you've got to be out there on the grill and know what temperature is going to burn the sauce. And So I think it's a real tactile olfactory audio experience you got to use all your senses and uh, so even if you've got a meal kit coming in uh, being delivered i still think uh, it's going to help and it always surprises me how many people i meet who love to eat have no idea how to boil water without burning it <laughs> that was um, that was my dad <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's shocking, uh, um, I, and it always surprises me how many people think of cooking as a chore. Now, I suppose if you've got a family and a lot of kids, and you've got to cook every night, and you know one of your kids is a vegan and the other one doesn't like this, and the other one wants it just so, you know that could be a real pain. But my wife and I, just the two of us. We look forward to it. Uh, we really enjoy cooking together, and uh, uh, gosh, we eat well. Yeah, no, we are we are the empty nesters now. Um, except when I bring home takeout Chinese food, I can always guarantee you my daughter will show up, even though she lives thirty miles away from us. <laughs> I think she can smell it. But uh, yeah, we I've actually been experimenting more. That you mentioned that this summer with different foods, different combinations, different seasonings, just, you know, you and I are an awful lot alike in, in, in wanting to 
let's try this. You know, we know this works, but what about this? And I don't do oh, I that. I don't, yeah, I don't do it every night, but probably once or twice a week, I'm fussing with a, a recipe and trying something different to see if it works. And I think that's a good thing. You know, something else that's happened this summer is um, we're getting reports that manufacturers are really backordered on grills and smokers. Right. That because people are stuck at home, they're cooking more outdoors, they're buying more grills and smokers, and the manufacturers, especially those who are shorthanded because of COVID, um, they're backordered. I know that um, I was just uh, talking to somebody who ordered a Hasty Bake, which is one of my favorite charcoal grills. Right. They're based out of Tulsa, and they're seven weeks back ordered. Um, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was talking to her. Uh, I was interviewed by a radio show in Canada, and she said, you know, she's a gas grill uh, cook, but she had to buy a charcoal grill because all the stores were out of gas grills, and she fell in love with the new charcoal grill she bought because she hadn't cooked on one before. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting out there. I know that, uh, the folks like at Ace Hardware, who the last few years have really put a push on the barbecue section of their, of their stores. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've done a terrific job, but I had a couple of them tell me what you see on the floor right now is what I have because I can't get anything else for Mm. another whatever the time frame they said it wasn't you know infinity but it was like i'm not sure i can get it anymore before september type thing okay so you hear this folks if you're gonna buy a new grill or a smoker for christmas get that order in now right <laughs> right absolutely and one of the the problems was is they were having a lot of them that have digital you know thermometers and timers and things on them they couldn't get those chips from overseas and uh, mm. they were having trouble with that. And so um, you just have to check locally and see what you've got. But Meathead gives you a, a very sage, no pun intended piece of advice there. If you're looking at buying somebody in your family, a new grill for Christmas, you might want to get ahead of the game and get your name on the list right now. So um, well, I got to tell you though, it's August. Uh, I'm in the Chicago area and our garden is booming and we have just eaten out of the garden a meathead has gone veg head <laughs> um i uh we are just swimming in tomatoes and eggplants and zucchinis um peppers uh cucumbers you name it and so uh, we've been we've been grilling a lot of that stuff uh I got one for you. I don't know if we've talked about this one before, but everybody who's listening out there right now, the cherry tomatoes are just out of control. Right. And they're in all the farmer's market and all the grocery stores, and they're all wonderful by themselves. And most of us just scatter them on a salad. But here's what you need to do with them. You get your cherry tomatoes and you poke three or four holes in them on all sides and you put them on the grill, not over direct heat. Oh, there are no burners on underneath it. Right. Or better still, on a smoker. And uh, get the temperature where you got these cherry tomatoes down to around 200, 225. 
and it'll take five or six hours, but they'll dehydrate and they'll turn into raisins. And they are sun, like sun-dried tomatoes. Yeah. You know how rich and sweet sun-dried tomatoes can be. So these turn into like sun-dried tomatoes, only they're raisin size they, because they're about the size of a grape. So they get to be the same texture and flexibility as a raisin, but they're intense sweetness and lusciousness. And if you smoke them, that smoke character is just fantastic. That sounds delightful. We're going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. Meathead and I will be back right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. I'll come in last night about a half past ten, that baby of mine wouldn't let me in. Welcome back here to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Meathead from Amazing Ribs. If you'd like to email us, it's very simple. It's barbecue, bbq at salempdx.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Barbecue Nation with JT, and Twitter, and Instagram, and all those places. So if you have a passion to spend your afternoons fooling around with social media, you can find both Meathead and myself under different headings, of course, but we're out there. So, um, we were talking off the air about Polish sausages because I said Polish sausages are my favorites. I like brats. I, I like I'm with you all the way, pal. Yeah, I like regular hot dogs. I like them all, but you give me a Polish sausage, and man, I'm I'm happy. So, well, you know, all right. First of all, when you're talking Polish sausage, let's go to Poland. I mean, they, they Poland and and Italy probably make more encased meats than anybody. And, of course, in Poland, uh, the kielbasa, which is generic for a sausage, but they must have a hundred different varieties. I don't know much about them. Here, what we call polies or Polish sausages bear a resemblance to what we call kielbasa in this country. But they're more like a... um, a garlicky bratwurst. They're really grand. You know, they're a, a rough grind, right? Coarse grind, rather than a hot dog, which is a very fine grind. Um, they all have a natural casing. Usually, it's hog's guts, um, but um, uh, loaded with garlic and what flavor and texture and uh, oh yeah, uh, give me a poly whenever. And I've noticed when I travel that they're not the same everywhere you go. No. Um, and and I think that's because a lot of butchers make their own sausages and they have their own house recipe. And they're really different. I mean, here in Chicago, for example, um, Italian sausage, which is a popular thing around town. Sure. Um, they're really different from butcher to butcher, from grocer to grocer. Um, well, I think you but, find uh, a lot of old family recipes, too, uh, yeah, when you go yeah. to those individual butchers. I know here um, we've got like Mount Angel Sausage Company, Zenners and some of those. And they're all kind of famous, especially Mount Angel Sausage, because they make mm-hmm. they hand make all their sausage. They they only do it, you know, on certain days of the week. I mean, they make tons of it and it's all good and it's great. But their poly recipe, their kielbasa uh, recipe is a little different than what you're going to go find if you buy one out of the case at mm-hmm. Safeway, for example. And I should mention, I forgot that um, polies typically are smoked. 
Yes. Um, at the factory. So uh, whereas bratwurst or not. Um, yeah, I mean, sausage, you know, encased meats is a really fascinating topic. And if you you can really dive deep on them. I, I, um, uh, there's even a couple of really great Greek sausages out there that I'm fond of. Um, uh, the um, uh, uh, Now, those you, you want to cook to 155. You've got to cook those a little hot because whenever you grind meat, any contamination that may be on the surface can get to the center. So uh, especially if it hasn't been pre-cooked. Um, hot dogs are pre-cooked, so they're, they're, they've been pasteurized at the factory. I mean, technically, you could eat them raw, but you don't want to. You want no. to cook them. So they can go up to 145 since they've been cured and cooked, but um, um, 155 on most other sausages. And you want to get that, um, that casing uh, golden or brown and, and, and snappy. You want to crunch into them. Yes. A lot of people poke holes in them to drain the fat. Which I guess you know will save you a few calories, but you're draining a lot of the moisture out and a lot of the and flavor. You end up with a dry sausage. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. My my theory is is you don't eat sausages and hot dogs every day. On the rare occasions that you do, maybe leave the fat in. You know, I mean, yeah. give it give it the what it's got in there. Let it <laughs> let it show off. Okay, so here's my question for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna um, give you mine first. My answer to this question first: How do you like your sausages when you eat them? Now, if I'm eating a Polish sausage or a kielbasa, and I'll eat all of them, but those are my two faves. Okay, what I like on them is I like a bit of relish, a bit of mustard, and uh, a bit of sauerkraut. And some onions, and some onions, little onions. I don't overdo any one of them. Sometimes you see these guys on TV and it's just loaded up with crap, you know, and it's like smell. I don't do that. I, being a cook, you know, I try to enhance the flavor. That's just my my weird way of doing things. But I do like that. I like a little relish, a little good old-fashioned yellow mustard on it, uh, some onions, and a little sauerkraut. What is Meathead like? I'm pretty close to you. Um, I make a, a South Carolina mustard barbecue sauce, mm-hmm. which is really just a barbecue sauce. Uh, I mean, a, a, a yellow ballpark mustard. It's a little sweeter and it's got a lot of herbs in it. And I make that as a barbecue sauce. And I have just um, replaced ballpark mustard with that. Sure. I, I, I use that whenever I'm um, uh, uh, doing a hot dog or a sausage, but it's, it's a variation on, on, on the mustard theme. And I love it. Um, I like both raw and caramelized onions, um, and I've been known to put them both on a sausage, <laughs> and that's about it. Now, I'm in the Chicago area, and it's a sin to use ketchup on a hot oh, dog yeah. or a sausage in Chicago. Um, I, I was in a restaurant once, and uh, there was a, a tourist in front of me in line, and, and, he, and he ordered a, a Chicago. He says, I'll have a hot dog Chicago style. And uh, the guy assembled the sausage. It's got seven. Chicago hot dogs have seven toppings, and uh, we call it dragging it through the garden. And uh, uh, and the guy says uh, no ketchup. And the guy says <laughs> we don't put ketchup on a hot dog in Chicago. There's a pump over there for ketchup for the French fries. You want ketchup on your hot dog? Go ruin it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
I and love I, that. Actually, I was driving down the highway the other day, and they have these big overhead signs that tell you when there's street construction going on. Right. And <laughs> and it, it was flashing. And don't put ketchup on your hot dog. <laughs> Somebody in the highway department was having fun. Oh, that's that's <laughs> terrific. That's terrific. Yeah, I uh, I'm I don't know ketchup. No, I can put a little ketchup on hamburgers. That's fine, but no yes. no sausage. Um, yeah, I like it on hamburgers. Yeah, no, it's Although, good. interestingly, when you think about it, hamburger really is just a sausage. It just doesn't have a casing. Right. You know, hamburgers, meatloaf, hot dogs, sausages, they're all ground meats. I mean, even ground salmon. I make salmon patties. They're all cousins. They're all ground meats. No, that is absolutely true. We're going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. Meathead and I will be back in just a couple minutes. Please stay with us. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun BGI Radio Network and to all the stations around the country. Thank you for having us on this uh, weekend. Um, we want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives uh, for unmatched quality, efficiency, and productivity in your kitchen at a very reasonable price. It's Gunter Wilhelm Knives. You can find them online at GunterWilhelm.com. Uh, I just so you got, have Gunter Wilhelm sponsoring you now. Yeah. They're my knife of choice. Yeah, I uh, love them. And I was not prompted or paid to say this. I have a full set of Gunter Wilhelms and love them. Yeah. They're fantastic. They're brilliant knives, but they're also beautiful. Yes, they are. Um, uh, they're, uh, they have a variety of uh, styles and prices. And uh, one of my favorite tools they make is their kitchen shears are just Really, I mean, you can cut through turkey ribs with those yep. easily. Yep. Gunther Wilhelm, the German knives, uh, really gorgeous, beautifully made. Oh, I was going to tell you too. You might want to, uh, you might want to do this today. But uh, today, as we're recording the show, it's David Malik's birthday. So when I get done recording the show with you, I'm going to send him a text and wish him happy birthday. So, ah. so. Um, David Malik is the CEO and inventor of Gunter Wilhelm knives. So, okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, every summer, anybody that's got a garden, the neighbor usually brings you 437 pounds of zucchini. Oh God. You know, baseball bats. Oh yeah. They, they, they come by and they drop them off on your doorstep at midnight. and run. <laughs> That is true. That is true. And I will confess Unless it's like zucchini bread, I've even had a zucchini cake. Very good. I'm not a big fan of just sautéed zucchini in a pan. Um, probably because of the way my mother cooked it, and it was just very overcooked, very limp and nasty and all that. But you said something off the air, which I found intriguing, making uh, zucchini kind of pizza. Pizza zucchini, I call Pizza zucchini, okay. Pizza zucchini, okay. Here's the technique. Well, first of all, if you've got a, a, a you know six to eight inch zucchini, 
I like to cut them into planks, grill them up, put them on a, a, a submarine bread. Sure. Maybe throw some grilled uh, eggplant on there and some grilled tomato. And that makes a great vegetable um, sandwich, maybe with some pesto. But if you get one of these baseball bats, people think, oh, they're no good. Um, they're just too big. Well, the problem with them is, is the center gets uh, very pulpy and the seeds are too tough. So what you do is you split them down the middle lengthwise and you get a big tablespoon and you scoop out that fluffy center and all the seeds so that you just have a wall, maybe a half inch thick of zucchini. And you put a light coat of oil on it and throw it on the grill, on a hot grill, um, and you cook both sides um, until it's limp. When you pick it up, it's a little floppy. Then you bring it inside and you fill it with whatever you've got on hand, whatever you want. I'd like to fill it with whatever you would put on a pizza. Put some sausage in there or some ground meat, some chopped tomatoes or tomato sauce, some uh, uh, breadcrumbs or croutons. Uh, chorizo is fantastic right. in them. Uh, top them with some cheese, mound it up, top them with some cheese, Put them back on the grill until the cheese is melted. You want to, if you're using meats, you got to pre-cook the meats, right, in a pan, and 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 just wait till they're warm through and melt the cheese, and it's a pizza cani. And kids eat them; they love them. It's like a pizza, and they're eating vegetables before they know it. I will try that. I will try that because, um. You know, I, I do love vegetables. I do love gardens. I mean, we had big ones when I was a kid. We grow little smaller ones now because we don't have the acreage and so on and so forth. But, you know, when I was a kid, that's how I learned to eat like green onions and radishes and mm-hmm. and and different types of peppers and things because we grew them in the garden and they were fresh. But, you know, there was my mom was a very good cook, but there was just a few things she couldn't cook worth a damn. And one of them was zucchini and the other was spinach. So um, we can just keep going off of that because I don't need to tell those horror stories. But <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a zucchini recipe. It's not grilled. OK, but it's awesome. Um, you you, um, you you get a nice smaller zucchini, you know, six to eight inch zucchini and cut it into coins, you know, across right. the section, maybe quarter inch thick. Um, and you get a roughly equal amount of, uh, mushrooms and you cut them up and you throw them both in a frying pan with a nice size knob of butter, um, on a pretty good high heat and you saute them until, um, the mushrooms are limp and the zucchini gets a little browning on it, uh, a little salt on them. And then uh, a, a good splash of powdered garlic. And when they're done, you take them off the heat and you take a big scoop of sour cream on top, blend it together. And if you have it on hand, a teaspoon or two of pesto. And Ooh, yeah. it is just out of this world. Um, uh, without the pesto, we call it zucchini stroganoff. Uh, but it's, uh, I don't know who, what the name of this recipe is. But we must eat it at least once a week um, during zucchini season. Um, and the touch of pesto is something we just figured out this year, and it's awesome. Yeah, because, see, I always thought we grew, you know, 400 and 
30 million metric tons of zucchini and gave it to thir- <laughs> third world countries we really didn't like, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> well, the damn thing about those things is, is you, 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 you go out into the garden and there they are, you know, six inches and you say, okay, that's perfect. I'm bringing that in for dinner tomorrow night. And when you go out there the next day, <laughs> it's six feet long. It's overnight. Yeah, it's true. It's true, especially if you keep your garden watered, uh, you know, normally yeah. like that. Um, they just drink water. Oh, yeah. I mean, because like my neighbor, I love him to death, but he always plants his zucchini plants right next to the, we have a chain link fence between us. And so they, they weave through the fence in the spring as they're growing. And well, it, it's on your side. It's your squash. Oh, yeah. Even though I try to give it back, he's like, no, no, it's all good. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, but I get some three, four footers in there sometimes and I manage to, you know, drop those off at a local charity or something because uh-huh. it's, it's, they're just too big. You know, they've, like you said, they get mealy inside and all that, but uh, when they're small there, I can see yeah. where they're pretty good. So here's, here's another one. Now I, I know a lot of home gardeners just relish their tomatoes and they grow lots of tomatoes. And a lot of people can them because it's not hard to make tomato sauce and can it. Right. And my wife does that, and we have tomato sauce all winter long. Do fire roasted tomatoes and can it. Get your tomatoes and get, you know, grow, grow a, a meaty type tomato right. like Aroma. Those are the egg shaped ones. And you slice them in half, and you now you've got to really clean the surface of your grill. You don't want any grease left over from the meat. You got to wipe it down thoroughly, and you put the cut side down, and you get a char on them. You get some grill marks and some dark. Flip it over, get some char on the back side, and then that skin pops right off between your thumb and forefinger, and you can chop them up and process them either as chopped or sauce, and you have fire roasted tomato and you buy that in the store at a premium yep um and you can do it right at home see i'm big on making our own salsa because i know Uh i know that what i know the the scoville index if you will that my wife will will take and i know what i like which is a little more okay but if you do that and you you're using your fresh tomatoes like that you can it's easy to make two different batches smaller batches like we talked at the top of the show there's only two of us like that but those fresh fire roasted tomatoes some Mm -hmm. you know some green onions some different peppers whether you use jalapeno or something else like Mm -hmm. that it just makes a wonderful natural salsa you don't make it so big that you're not going to use it up you know, you're not going to make a four gallon batch and then it sits in the back of the fridge and grows its own body shape. But it, you know, it, it works out really well and it's really simple to do. Throw those, throw that into your hollowed out zucchini. Yeah, I can see that. There you go. There you go. Okay, we've just solved on that. one of the world's great mysteries on what the hell to do with zucchini. You know, <laughs> that that's a good thing. Pete zucchini, I tell you, your kids will love them. We got it. We got it. I hope you're listening, folks, because that's going to work. That's really, I think that'll work really well for kids like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got about two minutes left before we need to go to the break, Meathead. What about your uh, eggplant? Oh, okay. I do an eggplant parmesan. 
And uh, by the way, most of these recipes are on AmazingRibs.com. But um, yeah. eggplant parmesan. Now, you know, a lot of people tell you you slice them up and then you salt them, and somehow that removes the bitterness. I have never felt the need to salt them to remove the bitterness, at least not modern eggplants, not fresh eggplants. I've never found them too bitter. If you have and you like salting them, go right ahead. But I just slice them into um, either planks or discs, cross-section, maybe a half-inch thick. You want them pretty thick because when you cook them, they kind of melt. Um, Give them a very light coat of oil, um, and you grill them off. Now, you take those tomatoes that you fire-roasted, and you throw them in the blender, and you make fire-roasted tomato sauce. And so you lay that on top of this disc that you made. Sure. And maybe you throw a couple of basil leaves on there and then some grated um, Parmesan. And you now have this disc with tomato sauce and cheese on top. And you've got eggplant parm. And everybody gets three or four discs. They're very discreet, very pretty. And they all have this wonderful fire-roasted flavor. Um, I love those. Excellent. Uh, We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and wrap up the show. And, of course, Meathead is going to be with us for After Hours. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the Sun BGI Network. And uh, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the Sun BGI Network. I'm JT. Um... We've got uh, actually we've got Ray Sheehan from the Barbecue Buddha coming up in the next hour. So uh, Ray wrote a book about sauces this year, and he's done very well with his sauces, even though he's from New Jersey. And uh, so he'll be joining us in the second hour. But right now we've got my fave guy there, Meathead. Um, off the air, we were talking about fish. Being from the Northwest, we are we have a lot of fresh fish, uh, mm. especially salmon and Dungeness crab, which I've eaten crab all over the world and. I, and it's probably because I'm just used to it, but the Dungeness crab is so sweet uh, and and so delightful when they're here. But you know, we have scallops and 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 prawns and and mussels and the whole bit for a Labor Day party. I mean, I think most people when they think barbecue, what Meathead and I are trying to do is get you to expand your horizons a little bit here. <laughs> when, when you think about barbecue, especially for that, maybe you got some chicken legs, you got some burger patties, maybe 4th of July you had ribs, things like that. Those are all wonderful and fantastic. But I, I would like people to think, um, especially now that it's probably smaller groups, you're not having 25, 35, 45 people yeah, at your barbecue. Right. You know, you're having a handful. Think about some fish. Fish is good. I love fish. Oh, it's delicious. So but the problem with grilling fish is it sticks to the grill grates. Right. Um, and the, the, the protein um, just gets contracts and it attaches itself to the metal. And I don't care how new and shiny your stainless steel grill grates are. There are microscopic scratches and pores that you can't see and the fish sticks. And I, now I know that this is going to gross some people out. Well, I'm really grossing people out. Today <laughs> You're on a roll, bud. <laughs> but mayonnaise, 
Now, I, I don't know why. I keep encountering people when I tell people about this that just go, yeah, I hate mayonnaise. I don't know what it is about mayonnaise that turns people off. It's mostly oil. Right. I mean, it's some oil with some egg and a little lemon juice and salt. That's all it is. Um, I mean, you eat egg, you know, you use cooking oil all the time. You just whip it up until it's creamy. Um, but mayonnaise, for some reason, there's a, about its chemical composition, is better than oil for keeping fish from sticking. And what you do is you just season your fish, salt it, and whatever flavorings, your rubs. I like, I have a really good fish rub. Um, uh, actually, my one of my earliest sous chefs, Marietta, um, created. It's called Marietta's Fish Rub, and it's on AmazingRibs.com. It's got a lot of a bit of tarragon in it. Tarragon is really good with seafood. Yep. And um, uh, you sprinkle that on the fish, and then you coat it with mayonnaise, a thick coat. And you'll be surprised. It lets go of the grates pretty easy. Now, when you lay it down, e- even with the mayonnaise, um, it'll, it'll, it'll stick a little bit. So you've just got to give it a little time to let go, but it'll let go. And the mayonnaise will aid the process and you flip it over. And what I tend to do is I just put the mayo on one side, um, lay it down. And while it's on the grill, I put the mayo on the other side, cause it's kind of hard to handle if you put mayo on both sides. Um, and, and then you flip it over. Um, and it, it, you don't taste the mayonnaise. It's oil. And it, and most of it just drips off. But it does a tremendous job of letting go of the grate. The other thing you can get is they make these fish uh, holders. They look like two tennis rackets with a hinge at the top. Right. Um, except they're kind of, they're not round. They're more slender. They're shape of a fish. And you can put your fish in there. Now, again, you want to oil those uh, tennis rackets uh, so they don't stick. But they're usually good for things like fish with the skin on. Um, and another technique I really like to do, and I learned this in Portland. Um, I was in Portland, and there was a street fair, a festival down near the library, and there was wine, and some guys were cooking fresh salmon, and they were just griddling it on a hot plancha. And um, I had never thought to do that, of all things. Uh, and then he was serving it on top of a romaine um, salad. Yes. And just the hot fish and the cold salad. It was just fantastic. So I have a cast iron griddle, also cast iron frying pans. And you just get a good layer of oil on them going. And you can put the fish on them on the grill. And while it's there, you can throw wood chips or um, I like to take dried herbs. We have herbs in our garden. And at the end of the season, there's always um, dried basil um, stems and uh, oregano and th- because they make smoke in a hurry. Poof, you know, yep. lots of smoke. And it'll get over the top of the griddle and onto the into the fish. And that's just wonderful. Uh, a great way to sear fish. You know, in a lot of restaurants, they'll put the fish in a frying pan and sear it, flip it, sear it, but it's not cooked in the center, so they'll take it and slip it into the oven. But if you do the same thing on a grill, either in a pan or on a griddle, you don't have to put it in the oven. It's already in an oven. With the lid down on your grill, you have an oven. So it's, it's, it, they call it um, uh, you know, pan, um, pan roasting, uh, and essentially that's what you're doing on a grill, pan roasting. 
your fish. It's wonderful. So let me ask you this. I had somebody ask me the other day, and I said I would ask you. I have not done this. But what about a grill mat? Could you use fish on a grill mat? Well, you know, all right. When you talk about grill mats, <clears throat> there are a number of products on the market that are sort of like flexible, and they've got like a, a nonstick coating on Right. Them. Uh, and and a lot of people like them because they're non-stick. But the problem with them is is a lot of them have a Teflon product on there, and Teflon can create off gases that are not healthy at, at high temperatures. Sure. Um, in the four hundred degree and up range, and it's easy for a grill to get up into that range. So I'm not a keen on that from a health standpoint. Now, you can use aluminum foil and just put down lots of oil or a, a cast iron griddle or a cast iron frying pan. But I don't recommend these grill mats. And a lot of people use them just because it keeps the food from sticking. But you're not going to get any flavor from the flame. Right. Um, so if you use a, a griddle or a pan, you can throw smoke on the fire. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I've never used one like that. I'm not even sure I have one, but, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I thought it was a valid question that somebody asked me. So yeah, it's a question. no, a lot, I get that question a lot. I'm not a fan of them. Yeah. Well, and it's like for me, and we've only got a few seconds left here and I don't want to end uh, this on a sour note. So I'll tell you what, we'll pick it up in after hours. Uh, cause I was going to talk about planks. Uh, I grow up where there's a million trees, and I'm uh, to me it's it's not that grilling salmon like on a cedar plank. Um, my question is why, but we'll pick that up. In yeah, the I have the same question. I am not a fan of it either. Yeah. Um. And 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 it, for good reasons, and we can talk about why. Yeah, we will do that in the after hours, uh, folks. We're out of time here on the regular show. So, uh, Meathead, real quick, how can they find you if they've got a question or want to look at your website? Oh. Well, you can just Google Meathead, and you'll find me. Uh, but uh, I run AmazingRibs.com, and uh, if you wander into the bookstore, you'll find my book, Meathead. Um, it's one of the best-selling barbecue books in history. So it is. And I, I, I recommend that everybody should have that particular book. We're going to get out of here. We're going to go to the after hours. Folks, thanks for listening. We've got Ray Sheehan coming up in the next hour, uh, and we'll talk to you then. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.